The following episode contains major plot points that may spoil movies for some viewers. A spoiler warning is now in effect. Y'all, some foods here. You're so dumb. I thought we had, you know what? I'm just kidding. I do have a question. Y'all like scary movies? We'll find out today on this today's episode. On this today's episode? Yep, of the Abby Normal Podcast. Hi. Okay. I'm your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. How's it going, everyone? I know all my words are all over the place, so. You yeah. just woke up? Well, yes. I woke, I've been up for like an hour, so you yeah. just got up a while ago. Like, what, like 30 45 minutes ago? Yeah. So anyway, we're going to do like a bit of a speed review. I remember last time we did this, we were just going through different entries in my journal book just to kind of recap what I've been doing with this. So to help me keep my mind organized with how many scary movies I've taken in over the past few years, I've put together this little like journal with different entries of different horror movies that I've watched. And I just kind of put in some bits of information and my reviews and stuff. So I just thought I would read them to you guys and see if we can make something fun out of this. I feel like I made a monster out of you. So? No, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but I'm just, I'm super proud. I mean, I don't think anyone could be more proud than I am, especially with you and, you know, you watching the movies that you do and... Especially lately, a lot like movies well, that you've been watching. Well, here's the thing: I've always been into horror movies before I met you. No, I know I just that. haven't watched as many as you. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about the yeah, I'm talking about the stuff that I like and everything. And there's movies that you told me about you watch re- lately that made me so proud. Yeah, well, that's the thing, and that's the thing I'm trying to not like let go to your head. It's just, it's not that I just started watching horror movies recently. I've no, watched I know more I know than what I've usually been watching. Yeah. But I just thought it'd be fun to do, like, the Scream movies. Because I just watched the whole Scream series recently. Not the MTV show Scream, mm, but no. the movies itself. I, I watch, I think I said this a while ago, but I watched the Scream show. And it's a lot different. You know, it's definitely more millennial type of show, but... I watch it. So. Maybe we'll watch it and we'll do a review again of it. I don't know. But <laughs> I today we're just going to go over the movies. And I think it would be fun, too, to kind of just ke- like touch up on what we know so far. Especially since the f- there's going to be a fifth screen movie apparently coming out next January. So I just wanted to do something fun like this. So we'll go ahead. Do you want to like go ahead and get into it? Or do you want something else to say before we jump in? No, but I will say this. Uh, I've always enjoyed these movies since I was a kid. And I remember having these on VHS. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like such a cool thing. And uh, um, these movies are always enjoyable. And I feel like they definitely picked the cast really good in each of these films. Mm-hmm. I know, I do like the casting choices and some of these. They're, they are really good. And I will say this, and, that... I'm sorry, but um, no, okay. I will say this, that Skeet Ulrich is definitely one of my favorite villain characters oh, in yeah, films. Oh, yeah, Billy Loomis. Yeah, especially with him, that you didn't know who... You know, you didn't know he was the bad guy in the beginning, and he plays the vulnerability character so well, mm-hmm. and especially as a teen. And I definitely do like his work, especially... Um, now on the TV show Riverdale, playing yeah. Jughead Jones' dad. Yeah. Which uh, I thought that FP. was... FP. Yeah, FP. Yeah. Which I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And he he does a character so well. I also saw him not long ago in sort of like a documentary about the Elizabeth Smart kidnapping. You remember that? 
case? I don't know. She was abducted from her home. A lot of people are abducted from their home. Well, she survived, and she, you know, she does this tell-all documentary that is partially her interviewing, like, giving her story, Mm -hmm. and then there's, like, um, like a dramatization of the events that she recalls, and Ski Ulrich plays her abductor. Well, I could see him being an abductor. He he played a weird fucking dude, but he did a good job at it. So, I mean, kudos to him. It's it's a really strange, bizarre case and story, but it was really good. (sighs) To watch. So, you want to get into it? Yeah, let's go into it with the first film that came out December 20th, 1996. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm going to go ahead and right off the bat just say this. Wes Craven directed all of these movies. Mm-hmm. So, the first Scream movie was released in December 20th, 1996. It has a runtime of an hour and 51 minutes, and it has an IMDb score of 7.3 out of 10. It stars Nev Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, Skeet Ulrich, Jamie Kennedy, and Drew Barrymore. And I only put Drew Barrymore in it because it was just so, it's just so funny that when you think of the Scream movie, especially the very first one, you remember the poster and you remember how Drew Barrymore's face was like front and center. That was the part I never understand. You, it gave you the false impression that she was going to be the star of the show. And that, and yet she gets killed within like the first 15 minutes of it. Well, I feel like the whole thing with Drew Barrymore's appearance in this movie, again, is like part, it's partially marketing. Because she was a very big celebrity at that time. Yeah. From all like the success of her previous films, you know, they're like, oh, let's get Drew Barrymore at least on the cast. Mm -hmm. And then we'll kill her off like within the beginning. Well, she had a big comeback in the 90s because in the 80s, she was like this big, huge child uh, superstar. And then, you know, because of drugs and alcohol got in the way later in the 80s. And then Mm -hmm. she got cleaned up as she got older. And then she got better. And literally, she came out with some really, really good movies. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to read a bit of the synopsis before we go into uh, the the movie discussion itself. But Mm -hmm. Wes Craven reinvented and revitalized the slasher horror genre with this modern horror classic which manages to be funny, clever, and scary as a fright-masked knife maniac stalks high school students in middle-class suburbia. Craven is happy to provide both tension and self-parody as the body count mounts. And then I put a quote, you know, I always, with some pages, I'll either put in like a quote or a fun fact. So I put the quote, what's your favorite scary movie? And it's from the ghost face killer. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I gave I personally gave this movie a nine point two out of ten. Hmm. Not not to be like that generous, but I thought it was a very clever, inventive movie. Like I said, reinvented, revitalized, and in my review, I put down this was like watching Wes Craven's love letter to the horror genre itself. It was packed with a lot of suspense and creative kill scenes, but it was at times a bit too silly for my taste. Hmm. Well, I mean, depending. I mean, it was a little tiny bit silly because of the characters and how they're just, like, um, with each other in the movie. Yeah, well... Joke and mess around. They're kids in high school. What do you expect? Well, I mean, you had David Arquette, who's... Oh, For for the most part, he's usually considered a comedy actor. Oh, yeah, he's a comedian, yeah. Yeah. And then you have Matthew Lillard and Jamie Kennedy, who are also comedic 
actors, yeah. mostly, whether that whether than like serious or horror actors. But if you've ever seen uh, scary movies, comedic actors can be really good in horror films as well. Yeah, but I feel like too many of them, and this is kind of what happened with the Krampus movie, too many comedic actors make the movie a little less scary and just a little bit more of like the thriller side. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they so, still had emotions. I've seen Krampus where a lot of them were definitely compelling and very, like, you know, heart-to-heart -heart with each other mm -hmm. within the movie. And I like that. And that's yeah. what made it a good Christmas movie as well. Yeah. And I did like this movie a lot. I thought that, like I said, very creative and inventive. And like I said, it's like a love letter to the horror genre. And it's really good, especially for a lot of people who like slasher movies and can, like, familiarize that formula that they put together for slasher films well yeah because with this before this there was like a million slasher movies that came mm -hmm. out before screen so when screen is the one that comes out it had to be the one to tell everyone uh you know about about the slasher films in case people forgot you know and about how they are and just like just the rules of of what goes on within a movie and not only that, but even, like, within the script writing, it lays out that formula for you. Like, there's that scene at Jamie Kennedy's house where he explains to them the rules of um, what you don't do in a horror movie. Like, you don't get drunk or do drugs, you don't have sex, and you don't go anywhere alone or say, I'll be right back, because you're never going to come back. Yeah. You know? And it, it lays out that formula for you where it is kind of like a self-parody a mock-up of a slasher film, but it still carries a lot of horror and suspense to make it a good slasher film. But that's what I liked about it with this film, is that in, before this film, you never seen anyone get in front of the screen and tell everyone what are the rules or the things you have mm -hmm. to do within a scary movie, because a lot of that, people were still experiencing new things within the scary movie. So when mm -hmm. Scream found, oh, came out, everything was already done. That's why Jamie Kennedy was trying to tell everyone of the rules of all the movies that we've watched. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. But, but that's the thing, too, about, like, And definitely slasher for new films. people, too. But that's the thing about the slasher films before us. It's like, there's so there were there have been so many slasher films before Scream. Mm -hmm. And there is a usual, like, formula or layout as to how a horror movie is supposed to go. And they do touch base on this on in Cabin in the Woods, too. Because, like, like, Scream, that's, like, a parody to slasher films, almost. Because it lays out that formula for you and say, okay, this is the method... This is how they get, like, this is going to be the monster that kills them. This is how the night's going to go. And this is going to be the order in which these kids die. Hmm. You know, it lays it out for you while intertwining a different subplot to it. Hmm. Whereas this one is just, like, like, with Scream, it's just, it's a slasher film, but there's more kind of a story there. Yeah. Where it's, it's more mystery in a sense that you don't know who the killer is or killers in this case are until, like, the absolute ending. And then, I love too the whole, the whole, oh, the, throughout the whole series itself, like the whole um, filmography of the screen movies, is that Sydney, is it Sydney Prescott? Is her name? Yeah, Sydney Prescott. Sydney Prescott is the compared to Jamie Lee Curtis, she's like the ultimate fi final girl. She is, and we never really like address this in the beginning, especially in the first movie. But when she fights off her attackers, she really fights. She, She's got these really like impressive mm -hmm. self-defense moves that she like just happens to know offhand. And I'm wondering too if like 
maybe since her mom's death, she maybe took up some self-defense classes so that she wouldn't be put in the... Maybe she took some judo. I don't know. But But she does kick ass. Yeah. And I like it. You know, I think it's really cool. And also the thing, too, is that with her, she's like Nancy, but like on steroids. Like Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street. But she's like, but ten times Nosh of like that character. Yeah, because Nancy not only was the sole survivor of the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie. She's my favorite final girl. But she really like fought back. She came up with a plan on how to get rid of Kruger and she set up a bunch of traps in her house to subdue him long enough to get help. She was smart. That's the thing. She's brave and she had smarts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is what Sydney does too. And I think, again, that's part of that formula. Especially when you have a final person or a final girl or whoever is the sole survivor of this story. They have to have some sense of survival in order to stay alive as long as they can throughout the story. Mm-hmm. Which I think is really impressive. Which is why I like Sydney Prescott. That's one of the things I loved about not only her character, but Gail Weathers' character, who's played by Courtney Cox. Yeah. These are like the top two characters that survive throughout most of these films. Hmm. And I love it. I love it. I'm here for it all. So, <laughs> any, any final thoughts on Scream before we move on to Scream 2? Other than in the ending, almost, where um, Jimmy Kennedy is, like, freaking out because she fe- he feels like Matthew Lillard's going crazy. And then that look where Skeet l- turns around and just looks, not at the camera, but towards Jamie's way. And, you know, it says, that, and it says that line and then shoots him. That freaked me out as a kid. I'm just like, oh, my God, he's he's bad. See, one <laughs> scene, because, like, I... Like I said, I just watched the Scream movies recently, but I have seen bits and pieces of it throughout my childhood. And the one that I recall the most that was most terrifying to me was Tatum's death scene with the garage door. Mm -hmm. I mean, I look at it now as an adult and I'm thinking that's totally unrealistic. I mean, first of all, the garage door probably wouldn't have killed her like that. It lifted her up pretty good. It, it lifted her up, but it you know it didn't it shouldn't have killed her as badly as it implied it did. But anyway, <sighs> that's just the one that sticks out to me the most from my childhood. Yeah. But other overall, I did find the movie pretty good. And also, my favorite scene, especially the one I laugh at a lot, mm-hmm. is when um, <laughs> um, Courtney Cox gets knocked the fuck out by Nev Campbell. Oh yeah, she gets punched a lot, not just in this movie, but like in some of the sequels too. I guess she, that's what she gets, you know. Well, but, in the first movie, she comes off as a total bitch, bitch because she's she's the reporter who's just trying to sell a book and trying to get her Pulitzer name, Prize. Yeah, yeah. And her name out there too. Yeah. And she just wants to, like, be a successful journalist. So that means to so, go and bash her mom and everything? Yeah, because oh she, she thought she had a story here. She thought that... She wrong. That yeah. Cotton guy... I can't remember his last name. Cotton, I can't remember his Cotton name. Weary. Cotton Weary, yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. So she thinks that Cotton Weary is innocent in the murder of Sydney's mom. And she thinks, by some accounts, maybe Sydney got her story wrong. But Sydney is convinced that she was right... That Cotton Weary did kill her mom. And Gail was just trying, like any reporter, is just trying to sell a story. But Gail knows what she's doing. I feel like, you know, she's just looking not only to tell the truth. For a bit, she's a pretty smart cookie. Yeah, she's trying to do two in one. She's trying to tell a story. She's trying to get the story out there, but she wants to tell the truth. You know, like even if the truth means that Sydney could have been in the wrong and falsely accused Cotton Weary of murder. 
You okay? Yeah. But I think what's even more interesting is because of the Scream movie, we got a new iconic serial killer added to the list of iconic horror movie killers. Face ghost. Ghost face. <laughs> you know the name. I just I don't understand why. But anyway. I'm, I'm just playing. <laughs> So Ghostface would go on to be the main villain in all four films, but each movie is always going to be a different person behind the mask. So in this movie, in the first one, it was, what was it, Billy Loomis. Billy Loomis and and his lover. And his friend, Stu. Oh, also, um, I'm going to get some coffee. You want any? Nah, I'm good. Okay. I'll be right back. Stu Matcher, or Mocker, I don't know. But yeah, his name was Stu. So Billy, Loomis, and Stu were the two killers in the first Scream movie. Also, before we go to the next movie, I want to give a big shout out to one of my favorite actors in the film, who was in there, half of it, but not for too long, Mr. Henry Winkler. I know, that was another thing I thought was interesting. They cast these really big name actors only to kill them off, like... You know Pretty what, early on in the movies. You know what this reminds me of? Hmm. Is when, remember in Prom Night when uh, um, Leslie Nielsen was the principal? Yes. And he was in it. And that was a big name actor, but mm-hmm. he wasn't in it for long. Yeah. Kind of like the same plot thing with this. Yeah, like, I want to I say, just estimating here, but I want to say I think Henry Winkler probably had maybe about 10 minutes of screen time, not even. Yeah. In this movie, yeah. and yet he gets killed like right away. My fa- like as soon as yeah. you see him on screen, it's like, oh hey, it's Henry Winkler, and then he gets killed right like right that. And my favorite part is my it's so funny to me, but um, mm-hmm. but Henry Winkler jumps in front of the mirror to scare uh, to scare someone with the mask. Pretend mm-hmm. he was the pretend he was scaring someone. That was so funny. Mm-hmm. And he was such a hypocrite for doing that. Yeah. So you want to go into part two? So let's go into Scream 2. Which was released December 12th of 1997, so the, about a year after the first one. Yep. Had a, has a runtime of two hours and two minutes. Has an IMDb score of 6.2 out of 10. They really made that fast, huh? Yeah. And then, again, stars Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Jamie Kennedy, and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, which I feel like this was definitely a good sequel. And definitely the stuff that they were talking about and what they were... The premise of this film, I think, was just perfect to go from the first to the second. Yeah. So the synopsis goes, Sydney and tabloid reporter Gail Weathers survived the events of the first Scream, but their story is far from over. When two college students are murdered at a sneak preview of Stab, a movie based on the events of the first film, mm-hmm. it's a clear copycat killer is on the loose. Any thoughts? Mm-hmm. Um, any thoughts? I just thought, just out of all the people who would be in the very beginning of this film, Jada Pinkett Smith is in the in the beginning, and she gets killed like within the first yeah, ten she, minutes. And she was a big star mm-hmm. in in the in the, at the time, especially married to one of the biggest stars in the world at the time, Will Smith. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of funny that she only had, just like Drew Barrymore, had ten minutes of runtime in the beginning of the film. But I think this is the common theme that I've noticed within each film is that in the beginning of the film, there's a big movie star within the ten minutes of the film, and then they get killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean I don't know I don't know about the third one, but it's like that with the first and second, and also with the fourth movie. Yeah. So yeah. So there is a theme here, folks. Yeah. So my review goes. 
it was interesting to watch. I like that, and just a spoiler alert, but I like that Billy's mom was the villain this time around. It's like a nod to the first Friday the 13th movie in a way. Mm. Like how in the first movie... She's the Mrs. Voorhees. Yeah, she's the Mrs. Voorhees in the movie. And Sydney is becoming one of my favorite final girls in horror movies, like I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. And I think it's an interesting... um, way to go about this movie because you know it's Cindy's off to college now and um gail's career has expanded a bit she's, she's becoming you know more involved in journalism she wrote another book about the events of the first film and she's trying to figure out her feelings for dewey mm-hmm. which i love fucking i fucking love gail and dewey I, feel I like love their relationship. Their um, their love story is better than Twilight. That's for sure. <laughs> their love story is like one of the best stories in horror movie uh, stories I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the best. So I love that. And um, I did write down a fun fact for this one. But the plot twists were all a matter of top secrecy throughout the production. That's cool. So I guess like in the process of like during the production and writing the ending and how it was going to be shot was kept you know secret which i thought was pretty interesting and there's going to be like another fun fact like that in one of the later movies which Mm -hmm. i'll we'll get into when we get into and one of my favorite actors who i didn't realize was going to be in this movie until i saw i forgot he was in Mm -hmm. it jerry o'connell who plays nev campbell's boyfriend in the second in the second film and he is a he was like the red herring of the plot, I feel like. Yeah, but I feel like he was perfect, though. He was a perfect boyfriend, but at the same time, too, it's like, it was all a matter of questioning, like, did Sydney make another bad choice again in her relationship? Like, did she pick another Billy Loomis this time? But no, it ended up being his mom, which, again, I feel like it was a huge nod to the Friday the 13th movie, and I felt that ending was kind of, like, pretty genius. You know I what I mean? I feel like he was definitely there having her back. And I think that's what I liked about Jerry. He made you feel safe. He made you mm-hmm. feel like that you're okay. You're not going to get killed by this ghost face. You're going to be fine. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and I, I think I think another interesting where's, thing, where's too. Where's my Jerry O'Connell? <laughs> and then I think, again, too, casting Sarah Michelle Gellar, who at the time in the 90s was really big for the Buffy show. Oh, she was coming up for sure, yeah. Yeah, casting her it was like casting Drew Barrymore for the first movie, I feel like. Because you think she's going to have a, a pretty major part in this movie. I feel movie, like that's why they did but, that with Jada. So. Well, yeah, and then they and then they kill her off in a really like nonchalant manner, but I thought it was pretty interesting, too. Well, you know, they can't all live forever, so... Yeah. Not surprised. But I still thought this was overall pretty cool. And you want to know something interesting, too? Cause What's I, that? I just watched the movie... The Slumber Party Massacre on Shudder. You know what I just realized? The same way that Jamie Kennedy dies in Scream 2 is the same way that telephone girl, the worker... I've never seen it. Oh, you never seen it? No, you watched it without me, you jerk. Well, well sorry. <laughs> but there's a, there's a similar death scene in which this girl is like a telephone line worker... And she gets pulled into her worker van and gets murdered in the same fashion that Jamie Kennedy gets killed. Well, the thing is, with some of these films, I don't know if they do it on purpose or not, but I feel like some of these killings are in these films and stuff are, like, tributes to, like, the older films. Yeah. Especially with the Slumber Party Massacre. I don't don't know if that was legitly on purpose to do it the same way as that, but 
I mean, getting killed in a van's always a good way to die, also. And it is um, pretty not out, a good way, but it's you pretty know, what out I mean. in the open too. Because in in both of those scenes, like in Summer Party Massacre, it was literally in the middle of a parking lot at a high school, whereas in Scream Two, it was just off campus in a van, like where people were like milling around. I, if I they was, didn't hear anything. They didn't notice the van rocking, which I think if they did, it wouldn't have mattered. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. That would have been a bad idea because it's out in public. And Mm -hmm. I know you're trying to make yourself well-known where that was. This seems like very skeptical. Like, you know, people could see it. Yeah. But me, that's why if I'm going to kill someone, I'd rather do it when no one's around. But this was pretty clever, though, in in a sense that because it was so public and nobody noticed it, which is, I mean, it makes it even scarier because nobody's thinking about stuff like this. Yeah, exactly. Because they hear about the two murders that occurred at the movie theater, mm-hmm. but they don't think that it's going to really hit the school as hard as it, it did. And you know what? And it really shows that it can be anywhere. It's yeah. very spontaneous where you can have a killing anywhere. Exactly. So, yeah. I know. Yeah, but any final boy. thoughts before I give my review? Um, other than the mo- the mother being a psycho bitch, I love the film. You know, I think it's great. Yeah, I gave this a 9 out of 10. Yeah, I, I give it a... Yeah, no. I was going to say which, some stupid number, but Which, no. if anybody remembers from the last time we did a speed review, my method of rating this oh, is... Any, anything between a 9 and a 10, I love, love, love. I love your I love your sayings. Absolute garbage. Okay. Yeah. So anything between a zero to one point five is absolute garbage. <laughs> anything between a one point five to a three is okay. Anything between a three to a four point five could be way better. Four point five to six is decent. Mm-hmm. Six to seven point five is all right. Seven point five to nine is really good. Mm-hmm. But a nine to ten, I absolutely love, 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 love it. Nice. So I and again, a lot of these movies are gonna be within that scale of a nine to ten because I love them so much because they it's a really good movie. Well, I'm glad you love them. <laughs> and and I like too how simple the ghost face killer's look is. It's just a black cloak with a with a ghost face mask, and it's actually inspired by a very like a very famous painting. Oh, the, the Scream face? Yeah, the Scream painting? By Van Gogh or whatever? No, it's not by Van Gogh. What are you talking about? I, I, I thought it was. Never mind then. I should have written that down as a fun fact for the first Scream movie. So, <laughs> Edvard Munch's The Scream. That that was what inspired the Ed, image Ed of Ed Munch? Edvard Munch. Oh, that was close. He, he His... Painting of the scream is what inspired the image of the ghost face killer, which I think is very, again, genius. It's simple, but it works. Well, you know, because there's always those little influences through history to really bring out the terror in characters. Like, uh, for example, mm-hmm. uh, the man, uh, the man who laughs. That film was inspired, uh, inspired the Joker and Batman. Yep. Um, the story about. Um, the story about the kid who died in his sleep was inspiring to the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Mm-hmm. Um, just just a lot of those little things are just really inspiring to make a killer. You know, mm-hmm. and like <laughs> in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie about that story. Yeah. Yeah. There's always these little influences that really make a character to become so iconic. Yeah. I also remember, too, when I was a kid and Halloween was around, that the screen costume was like the... 
probably the number one costume selection in my generation. Which is so weird that it's, such again, a simple costume. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it's a simple costume, but it works. And it, for me as a kid, having only watched a bits and pieces, but still having a scary effect to my psyche, really chilled me when my cousins would dress up as Ghostface and would try to scare the crap out of me. And it, it works. Well, it was but, kind of funny for me. You know how that scared you? Mm-hmm. All, my brother and all his friends all dressed up as Eminem from 1999. And they're all running around with short blonde hair and white shirts and like blue pants. And they're all walking around, ten of them, as Eminem. That scared me. Oh, my God. Anyway. Yeah. Ready to move on to Scream 3? Yeah. Who's the real ghost face? Please stand up. First Scream 3. <laughs> All right, so Scream 3 was released on February 4th, 2000, <laughs> has a runtime of 1 hour and 57 minutes, has an IMDb score of 5.6 out of 10, which is where we kind of start to see the series kind of drop in their uh, reviews. It's kind of funny, too, with this, because mm-hmm. two movies came out constantly within one year, so they took a three-year break just to come out with Scream 3? Yeah. Wow. Doesn't it lose the fans that way, or do you think they would gain the fans after... I think it... Well, because it's only a three-year difference. It's not like it's really going to make much of a difference. Three years compared to, like, ten years is going to make a difference. Because every ten years, you know, we we try to think of generations as every ten to fifteen or twenty years. So, like, how you and I would be considered millennials. Kids who are about ten years or fifteen years younger would probably be considered, like, Gen Zs, maybe. I feel like I have more of a mindset of a Generation X, but I am a millennial, that's for sure. For sure. Yes. So, anyway. uh, It stars Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Patrick Dempsey, and Scott Foley. Hmm. Uh, Which one's Scott Foley again? Scott Foley. Yeah, I'm trying to remember let me see. Is he a young guy? Scored. Scott Foley is this guy. Oh, I like him. I like him. He cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was in Foley, Dawson's Creek. Foley is known for roles in television shows such as The Unit, Scrubs, Felicity, and Scandal. That's why. And in films such as Scream 3. Yes. He is also guest starred in series including Grey's Anatomy, Dawson's Creek, and House. I love him in Scrubs. He was so funny in that in that show. Yeah. So the synopsis goes, the third installment in the Scream franchise is set in Hollywood where Stab 3 is being shot with Gail Weathers and Dwight Riley on set as advisors. Is that three? Yep. Right. And you want to know something funny? It, the, the the fact that these are people like playing a movie, like there's a movie being made within a movie, which I think is pretty funny because they're, like I said, so Gail Weathers and Dwight Riley are on set as advisors to Jennifer Jolie. Hmm. Jennifer Jolie. <laughs> Oh, like um, um, like Jennifer Aniston and Angelina Jolie, Jolie. Oh, which wow. is fucked. I just want to say but wait, that's fucked. But hey, 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 calm down. No, um, I just think it's funny. I know, but let me ask you something. In what? the beginning of this film, yes, who's the big celebrity in this one this time that gets killed pretty early? Or no? I don't know because I think Cotton gets killed in the beginning. Oh, so there's no big celebrity cameo. Not necessarily but we'll get into that hold on let me finish the synopsis first 
Lame. So unfortunately, Akilah decides to off the cast in the order of the screenplay, and the only Sydney Prescott who's now in hiding until the killer tracks her down can solve the riddle. So my review, and this is what I have written down. So this installment had plenty of twists. I like that in each film, Sydney comes up with a coping method to get th- that gets thwarted by that film's killer. And again, Sydney and Gail are the ultimate final girls. I think the identity of the killer in this story arc was pretty weak, however. Yeah. Do you remember who the killer was in this one? Actually, no, because here's the thing. I've never really fully watched the third film. I have a fun fact, though. Let me tell you. I don't so, know. Wes Craven had filmed three different endings and didn't tell the cast which one he was going to use. Really? Yeah, until the final cut. Really? Yeah. Wow. But I want to know, too, what the other two endings were. Because, and again, I'm going to spoil this, so They should have made sorry. deleted scenes out of them. I know. It kind of makes me want to get my hands on the DVD copy so I can check out those deleted scenes. If but, they have them. You can always check on YouTube. They do have stuff like that on there. So I, be- I believe it was the young director who Scott Foley plays. Oh, yeah. Who was filming Stab 3. Uh, he is actually the... Oh, he's the killer in this? He's the killer. He's also Sydney's half-brother. Ew. Really? Yep. Half-brother? Mm-hmm. No shit. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That He was a half-brother. Because Sydney's, Sydney's mom, apparently, in a, like, a former life, was an actress in Hollywood. Who'd, they, who'd she do it with? It's, it's, I think it's unannounced. Yeah. I think it's just one of those sad cases, like, uh, uh, she, she kind of got caught up in, like, a proposition where... She was threatened, like, if you don't do this with these people, you're not going to get anywhere in Hollywood type of situation. If you don't have sex with me, you're not going to be in this big film. Yeah. Yeah. There's a term I want to use, but I'm not going to use it because it just seems wrong. But Sounds like a Harvey Weinstein thing. (laughs) You said it, not me. Anyway. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) But anyway, so because of this situation, Cindy's mom gets pregnant and has... Scott Foley as, as a kid. A, as a, yeah, Scott Foley. She, she gives him up. That's a cute baby. She gives him up. She moves out of L.A. And then she, you know, meets Sydney's dad. And then starts a new life with him. Oh, wow. And then years later, he tracks Sydney's mom down, tells her, I'm your son. And she rejects him because she doesn't want to... To be part of that life. Yeah, she doesn't want... She wanted to put that part of her life... What if he wanted to be part of her new life? Like, he didn't want to be part of that life either. He wanted to know who she was. She He wanted to get to know her and vice versa, but she didn't really want anything to do with it. She turned him away. So I guess that's kind of her fault for doing that because he was kind of like wanting to be part of He didn't care if she was a former actress or not. She just wanted to be part of her life. Plus, I think it was also implied, too, that he actually killed Sydney's mom and not Billy Loomis. Really? Yeah. Because Billy and Stu implied in the first movie that they had killed her. Yeah, but that's but, bullshit. But Scott Foley's character announces, like, oh, no, it wasn't. It was me. And it was like, the fuck? So, but Billy and them are just crazy fucks. Yeah. Hmm. But overall, I did think this movie was pretty interesting. <laughs> and like I said, it's got a lot of good action-packed scenes between Sydney and the killer. 
And Sydney knows how to fight. That's yeah. for sure. Overall, I gave it a nine point four out of ten. I that's, just I'm just being generous here because yeah, you're being very generous because I don't see anyone giving a third movie a nine point four out of ten. Maybe I just gave the extra one point, like one whole point for the Jennifer Jolie character. You should have just gave it a nine point five <laughs> just to make it even then. Nah, because some of these because. With, ever since we did the last speed review, I kind of restarted a new book and did it in a more organized way. Maybe I'll post some pictures of like the pages I have down on our Instagram. Mm-hmm. But I wanted it to be more organized. I wanted it to be more fun to draw out and like write down for me. I also bought some stickers online that have like serial killer stuff and fall themed stuff. I thought it would be fun to add in here. So that's what I did for this, and I just think it would be fun. But my dumbass for these last two pages between Scream 3 and Scream 4, I put the fun facts on the wrong pages. So the one that I just read for Scream 3 is on Scream 4, and the one for Scream 4 is on the other page. Nice going. And I'm like, my dumb ass doesn't pay attention. Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And you say I don't pay attention. You really don't. Most times you don't, but anyway, that's beside the point. All right, so you ready to move on to screen four? Yes, let's do it. Let's finish this. All right, so like we said, like we had mentioned before about like newer audiences and generations and stuff, mm-hmm. I feel like Scream 4 was meant for like the newer audiences of generations, especially when it came to like remakes mm-hmm. and reboots. So Scream 4 was released April 15th in 2011, which is the year that I graduated from high school. It has a runtime of 1 hour and 51 minutes and an IMDb score of 6.1 out of 10. Now, for some reason, I wrote, wait, what? Hold up a minute. Like, because I think it's funny that we went from, in in terms of scores, we went from a 6.2 out of 10 in Scream 2 to a 5.6 out of 10 in Scream 3. And then we got bumped up to 6.1 out of 10 in Scream 4, which means something about this sequel Kind of changed the name or game of the franchise, I feel like. Yeah. And it stars Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Emma Roberts, Hayden Pantier, Rory Culkin, who's Macaulay Culkin's younger brother. brother. Yeah, he was in Home Alone 1 and 2. And Wes Craven did make a cameo appearance in this movie as a coroner, but I don't know... What's a coroner? Coroner. Oh, like a medical examiner. Oh, really? Yeah. I forgot. He For was dead in this. people. I didn't even know he was in this. <laughs> yeah, but I've seen like, this film. Too. It's it's like a cameo, like very small appearance. So the synopsis goes: It has been many years since the ghost face killer cut a deadly path through Ward- Woodsboro. Mm-hmm. In order to get over the trauma of those horrific events, Sydney Prescott has written a book. She stops at Woodsboro during her tour and re- reconnects with old friends. Any thoughts? Well, d- despite seeing a little bit of this movie, I never watched the whole... Th- I did. I don't remember watching the whole, whole thing, but I do, did watch the whole thing before. But just trying to remember parts of the movie. But I think what you were saying, too, this movie definitely is, like, you know, is connecting with the younger audience and, like, you know, it's going with the times. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like, not just repeating itself and becoming a bad novelty of its own parody but when really it's like you know adding new things to it which is good yeah because in some ways this this sequel had the layouts of 
the remake to the original Scream movie. Mm-hmm. You had a much fresher cast of characters, all younger than the original cast, but all in some ways playing the same roles as their predecessors. So Emma Roberts was the, gonna, essentially the new Sidney Prescott. And Rory Culkin was essentially the new... Billy uh, Loomis? Not exactly. Okay, maybe not. Like the new uh, Jamie Kennedy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Well, yeah. at least they're doing a whole new generation, you know, of these old characters revitalized. Yeah, in some ways. And then mm-hmm. um, Deputy Hicks, the blonde yeah. officer. She's like the girl version of Dooley. Dewey. Yes, yes, exactly. Not Dooley. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, well, that would probably be a female equivalent name to Dewey. Yeah. Dooley. Dooley, Dewey. Yeah. Maybe. So yeah. my review Julie. goes... <laughs> So my review goes, the opening scenes were a bit exaggerated, but interesting with some big name actors. Some of the death scenes were pretty satisfying, and I will always have a lady hard on for Gail and Sid. (laughs) (laughs) The cop killing scene was a bit over the top, because Anthony Anderson also stars in this movie too, as one of the cops. Yes, that's right. And you know, he always plays those type of characters as well, too, in the past. Goofy cops? Goofy, per se. He always plays a goofy character, but it's cool that he has a, he gets a cameo in here, but he also gets killed. Yeah. I also like the concept of this being a remake with a fourth sequel, or within a fourth sequel. At the time of its release, the horror genre was swarming with horror remakes, and the twist was fantastic. And I it, actually yeah. thought it was pretty interesting, because... I kind of already knew going in who the killer was going to be, but I didn't know how it was going to be announced. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea that there was going to be two. Because I always knew, again, spoiler alert, Emma Roberts is the killer. Her character is the killer. But I didn't know that Rory Culkin, the, the movie geek, that nobody really associates or talks to until like the last 20 minutes of the movie... Was the other killer. But that kind of sees the point also. Because sometimes even with outcast characters and scary movies like this or something. They can turn out to be the killer because no one realizes it's them. Yeah. And that's the thing about these duo killers. it They're essentially each other's alibis in some ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because while Rory is killing some characters. While... Emma is on scene watching from a distance. You can rule her out as a potential suspect and vice versa. Yeah. So I think that's pretty intelligent in terms of how to go about these killing scenes because it makes you think like, well, if you know that it's Emma Roberts that's the killer, how is she killing her friend who's across the street from her house if she's in her bedroom watching this? I think that's why I liked Wes Craven's writing because exactly. with some movies... It's a hit or miss. But with stuff like this, especially of what legacy this has, you can come up with refreshing things within a story of a story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I really love about Wes Craven, because he can write a good story, whether or not if the movie's good or not. Yeah. But, yeah. No. So my little fun fact about Scream 4 was, the fourth film landmarks the Scream franchise as the only horror franchise to have both its main characters and director return for all of the sequels. Yeah. Yeah. Because like we, like we talked about, the main characters are essentially Sidney Prescott, Gail Weathers, and Dewey Riley. Yeah. You know, and they all kind of stick with each other throughout the entire franchise with what Wes Craven is a director. Hmm. Sadly, Wes Craven has passed away since 
and probably isn't going to be directing Scream 5. I think he died in 2015 or so. Yeah, I yeah, think the director for Scream 5 is going to be Matt... I'm going to butcher the last name, but Matt Bettinelli? Let Bet- me see. Bettinelli Open? Yeah, Bettinelli Open, yeah. Yeah. He's going to be directing Scream 5, and I hope that he does the franchise some justice. I don't know how he's going to be able to revitalize the whole franchise, let alone the whole horror genre with Scream 5, but I've seen the movie poster for it, and it looks pretty intriguing. I just want to see how it's going to be able to live up to the franchise's standards without Wes Craven being able to kind of, like, guide him through. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, we can't really judge it, even though a lot of people judge movies and how they're going to be and stuff. But we just, for me, I just have to wait and see how this comes out. And if it's really good, then, you know, it'll be a really nice tribute for Wes Craven. And if they do something within the film as a tribute to him, that'd be cool. Plus, we got to think of this, too. I mean, if we focus back a little bit on Scream 4... In terms of how this movie was laid out compared to its other sequels yeah, and predecessors. movies. Yeah. yeah. It, it again, gives you a layout of a remake. Kind of like how other remakes have done before. It, some remakes, like we talked about in our remake debates, will go shot for shot, scene for scene of the original movie with just a new set of actors. And either the tones will be a little bit more darker or lighter or about the same as the original. This one kind of takes the remake, like we said, with a fresh new set of younger actors, kind of following the script pretty closely and the layout of the movie pretty closely with by substituting newer characters for the older characters. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like we said. And I like, too, it did bring back some kill scenes from previous movies like the the scene in the beginning with um, Drew Barrymore's boyfriend yeah. when he's tied outside to the chair and she's on the phone answering questions. Mm-hmm. That's how Hayden Pantier's character goes. He's the killer on the phone, who we know is Emma Roberts talking to, yeah. is asking her all these questions about horror movies and all the horror movie remakes. And she's got Rory tied into the chair outside, not knowing that Rory is the other killer. Which I think is very interesting. It made for a very interesting kill scene, but at the same time, it's like I loved Hayden Panettiere's character so much that I did not want her to die. I feel like with this, they really wanted to put everyone uh, on the edge of their seats. Mm -hmm. So with stuff like this, especially the the trickery of the storytelling of this, it really is kind of perfect. Yeah. And if you watch Scream 4, there's like four different opening scenes. It's crazy. And they're all pretty essentially the same. It's these girls who are like watch well, yeah, it's these girls watching the opening scenes of the stab movies kind of like over and over and over and over again. Which was funny because I know uh, it was one was I think it was Kristen Bell. One had Kristen Bell, one had Anna Paquin, one had Lucy Hale, who's a newer actress and who's really emerging from the horror genre of mm-hmm. You know, franchises. But it was cool that they all sat together and they were talking about this. Not all in the same scenes, but no. those are just the ones I'm listing from the different. Well, I'm talking ones. about from Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell was surprising. 
But I thought it was like, again, cool that they put in all these big name actresses and actors in these opening scenes only for them to get like maybe 10 minutes, not even, of screen time. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's their formula. They've been doing that since the beginning. Yeah, exactly. It, it's like I said, it's like the remake. It, that Again, that's the whole point of the remake. It's sometimes a shot for shot, scene for scene with a similar format or layout. But I feel like that's what the cool thing about this fourth one was, that they were um, kind of focusing on the remakes. And yeah. focusing on what to do or what what's good about it and what's bad. And yeah, like, they focused so much on this being a remake that they really went all out for it. They even picked similar settings and shots. like Well, not shots, but... In terms of settings settings and locations in which some of these killings would happen, they really picked them well. So I thought that was pretty cool that they stuck with that kind of like format as a remake and not as like a typical slasher format. You know what I mean? That's why I like the the quote from Sydney in the end of the movie where she's just like, don't ever fuck with the original. Yeah, first rule of a remake, don't ever fuck with the original. And that's a good, that's a good line. I like that. It's a good line, but as we all know, it's like, that's a moot because people are going to keep making remakes no matter what genre or franchise you go with yeah which some people find insulting and some people find it good because it's kind of like it's giving a whole new people um kids a look at something what was original but showing a more updated version exactly you're 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 revamping the story for a fresher new audience yeah and some of them are good and And like well some of them are good most of them are terrible yeah yeah but i mean depending on your opinion yeah, and depending on how you like the movie, or what do you like about it, or don't you like about it, mm-hmm. you know. So overall, I gave the fourth one a ten out of ten. I loved it. Which that's kind of shocking. You gave it a ten out of ten when the first one should be a ten out of ten, but it's not. But look at what I love, though. I love remakes. I thought that was a very clever way to go about making a fourth movie, especially when a gap jump is. Big as from 2000 to 2011 since the last film. That's a pretty big jump. Again, a new generation of audiences has already come into the horror franchise and are being introduced to newer movies that are coming out within those 10 years. So they're already aware of what's already been out now. You gotta rewrite a movie that's gonna get their attention again. Yeah, I know. I've watched newer movies... Before I watched the originals, like, I've seen movies that were made in the last, like, 15 years before Mm -hmm. I ever saw movies that were made from, like, the 70s and 80s. And comparing the two, they do have different tones. They do have different aspects to them to make them a little bit different Mm -hmm. in style. But it's good to rewrite it in a way that captures a newer audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is it weird that a guy like me is, like, I grew up watching these movies and a lot of these movies that we've seen or talked about these are movies i watched in the 90s when i was a kid exactly and like and it's just so weird that i'm i'm not old but i'm not young either Mm -hmm. but i can still remember these memories of watching all these movies as a kid and being like my god am i that fucking old like and it's just it's just it's it feels nice but also feels very unsettling because i feel like the older i get the more (laughs) Well, it's uh, hard, too, to think about it this way, because yeah. 
Can can you imagine somebody trying to write a movie now in 2021 in the same format and style as an 80s slasher film? I would love that, but... I mean, you would love that because to you, it's all about the nostalgia. For a lot of audiences, it's about the nostalgia. Well, it's not but, just but, the nostalgia. It's just the, the, for, the plot and premise of what I grew up on. But audiences who have come in in the last 20 years, who have already seen newer stuff that's been released in the last 20 years, are going to watch movies like you know, Halloween and be like, oh, well, why can't they just use their smartphones to call the police? Because they don't have smartphones in the 80s. Or they it's, didn't have smartphones in 1978, so. Exactly. There, it's a different audience. So it's like, the way they did this with Scream 4 is pretty genius in my eyes. That's why I said, remakes for what they are, I know a lot of people don't particularly like them, but compared to newer audiences, they're pretty good. And... If they if they can recapture the attention of newer audiences the way the originals did for older audiences, mm-hmm. then that's a pretty I guess good step up. You so you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to like enforce my opinion, but this is just how I see it. But <sighs> I'm just trying to explain. I, mean, I don't know. I'm really hard at explaining okay, it's things. It's okay. Hey, breathe, breathe. Yeah, breathe. it's okay. So, uh, so any final, final any final oh. thoughts for overall the Scream franchise? Other than it was actually a really good uh, movie. I mean, I do remember seeing it. I want to see it again mm-hmm. for sure. But I think from what I've seen in the movie, I think they definitely did this justice. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know people hated on it back then and everything, but I think it's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I fi- I find it very. Um, I give it. I give it a clap. So mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, and I mean, I had a lot of fun doing this with you, and I think it would be fun too to also do this again with other movies, especially because, like I said, with with this journal I've got going on right now, I'm trying to organize it in a way where each chunk or section of this journal is going to be collected with certain franchises or at least certain subgenres in a sense, because the way I started this off was the first. 12 pages were the Halloween franchises. This is also including, like, the remakes and the reboots, along with the original. Then I had Nightmare on Elm Street, the Tremors franchise, which we already covered. Mm -hmm. I have the entire Child's Play franchise, which we could always do, again, because I love the Child's Play franchise as well. Uh, Ginger Snaps, the It movies, uh, the Firefly Saga, which are the Rob Zombie movies, the Conjuring films. We We just did Scream. I also did Jaws. I wrote down the entries for Friday the 13th of all the movies, but I haven't watched all of them yet to really give a good final review over. So That's a lot of movies to review. Yeah, it is. Because there's like, what? Over four, 10? Over 14 different sequels? Well, I mean, I wouldn't say 14 of the original Friday the 13th sequels because there are other stuff after those sequels. Mm-hmm. But I think it, overall, it's over 10, that's for sure. Yeah. And then I have The Haunting Connecticut, which there's really only two movies to that. And then I have Stephen King film adaptations, which there's like a huge chunk of. Oh, I would love to do a speed round of uh, Stephen King adaptations. I don't think we would be able to get through all of them. No, 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 no. We don't We do not yeah. do all of them at once. We just do like three do... or four yeah. in each episode. Yeah. Because that's a lot, of, a lot of movies. And again, that's also one that I have to catch up with some movies on. Because some mm. of them I've seen, some of them I haven't. And then 
I just started... Yeah, we could talk about our favorite Stephen King films. I mean... I just started an entry, too, for Alfred Hitchcock films. Oh. But I'm going to need your help with something, because I looked up Alfred Hitchcock films. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot that he's helped co-written and co-produced, well, he's but I'm looking little, yeah. I'm looking for Alfred Hitchcock films that he's directed, and I've seen three of them so far. I mean, he's been doing films since the 20s. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. I know, but I need to find the very first film adaptation that I can find of an Alfred Hitchcock film. Directed, okay. that is. Okay. And it has to be the earliest one. Like, I can't just start from Psycho, which was from 1960. From 1960. 1960? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I, so I can't start from, like, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho from 1960. I know. Hey. And then go down the list and then have to go back and forth from timelines. Hey, I like doing worry. things in chronological I, order. I know, I know. We'll be fine. I will find out and see which one because I'm good that way. Yeah, because those ones are fun, too. I like Alfred Hitchcock films. I mean, I don't like his method of directing sometimes, but there are some things that he's done with his work that is pretty genius. But with that being said, I think that does conclude our speed review today. Yeah, and that includes our show today, folks. Yeah. So if you want to get a hold of us or even listen to more of us or whatever you want, she'll tell you. So if you want to follow us on social media, again, we're on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to listen to more episodes of us, you can find us on Spotify, Apple iTunes, and anywhere you get your podcasts, really. We still have our Patreon, which is still available. I haven't heard any new Patreons come into our setup here. But we do have new audiences in Bermuda. So we welcome you guys. Bermuda, Bahama, come on, pretty mama. We welcome you, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to our show. And we hope you enjoy all of our future episodes to come. Yeah. And for that, I think that is it for today. That concludes our show today from the Abbey Normal Podcast. I am your host, Colin Bourne. And I, I'm Aaliyah. Sorry. <laughs> Signing off saying, what's your favorite scary movie? Mine's Halloween. Oh. <laughs> I have a lot. As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe, or a nice review for our podcast. It helps boost our show positively. You can also follow us on Instagram and now on TikTok.